Welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 95. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're, we're kicking off uh, Next Gen's sixth season with the episodes Time Zero Part 2, Realm of Fear, and Man of the People. And I have to say, what is today? What is, what is the date? Today is July 24th. Steve, you're married. Yay! Mm, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Congratulations, how did Congratulations, it feel? Congratulations, Steve. Feels like I should be in France right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, how was the wedding? Was it fabulous? <laughs> uh, it wasn't very French. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Time Zero, Part 2, Season 6, Episode 1, Production Number 227. Original air date, September 21st, 1992. Directed by Les Landau. Story by Joe Minoski. Teleplay by Jerry Taylor. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan, Jerry Harden as Samuel Clemens, Michael Aaron as Jack London, Michael Hungerford as Roughneck, Pamela Kosh as Mrs. Carmichael, Mary Stein as Davidian Woman, William Boyett as Policeman, Alexander Inberg as Young Reporter, Bill Cholee as Patient, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. Hoping to save Data's life, Picard, Riker, Beverly, Troy, and Geordi transport to the 19th century San Francisco to find him. In a local morgue, Riker and Beverly realize that the aliens are disguised as humans and are slowly killing off the sick population by stealing their neural energy and sending it to the 24th century to feed their own people. Meanwhile, Samuel Clemens is following Data and Guinan, believing that they have somehow come up with come from the future with a plan to destroy the Earth. This is the 24th century. We're on Davidia 2. And you're not supposed to be here. Well, it seems to me I have as much right to be in your time as you had to be in mine. I wanted to see how you conducted my future affairs. Your future affairs? The affairs of mankind. For the disappearance of Mark Twain, one of the most noted literary figures of the 19th century. Steve. Yes? Pick us off on Time Zero. Well, Your new uh, married perspective. <laughs> Well, everybody's tan, so we're at the beginning of a new season, as always <laughs> happens. Um, Especially Troy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, I thought, you know, this is kind of just kind of coming off of the, what, you know, the first part that still has this kind of, this strange kind of mix of a, uh, a lot of comedy and fun stuff. I really enjoyed the acting troupe scenes. That was pretty funny uh, when they're trying to convince the landlady um about that uh, mixed with a very serious topic you know these you know these aliens uh sucking up human energy or whatever they're doing there um so uh yeah i, I thought this was entertaining like the first part was i mean i think it's an entertaining one that's a little hard to define exactly what it's about that kind of thing but i think it's one of those entertaining episodes that basically just picks up where the first one left off so does it seem like Maybe the um, um, the tone was a little bit more consistent. In, in a weird way, I think this is a less interesting episode than part one, but it does seem more consistent tonally. You know, we talked about right. part one, it had that extreme of the scary alien thing, and then it also had some pretty good comedy, but the, it was such a dichotomy. And here, 
uh, maybe just the, the comedy isn't as funny or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but it doesn't it doesn't seem as um, discordant to me. I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Which uh, which is it's an interesting notion I never really pondered before, and we kind of addressed a bit last time is the the type of comedy. I mean, you know, it's not just how funny something is, but it's the nature of the humor, and and that can that kind of that plays the biggest role in how well it fits into a, a serious piece. Otherwise, yeah. you know. So maybe yeah, it's just more appropriate comedy or something. Yeah. But overall, I I I I don't particularly care for this episode. I think it's um a, a series of kind of interesting scenes that don't, you know, none of which really stand out, or the story isn't. Uh, um, I don't know. I mean, we've seen unfortunately we've seen that a lot with uh, the part twos, you know, mm-hmm. especially going over a season. Um, everybody likes Best of Both Worlds Part Two, but. Nobody's going to say it's as good as part one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's there's lots of weak stuff in this episode, but I'll tell you some of the things that I like. Um, <laughs> I think everybody laughs, still laughs at Mr. Pickard. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's still funny. Still makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know I, about the, the faked play stuff. It sounds like, Steve, you still thought that was funny. It's, it's starting to feel a little bit cheesy to me yeah i could see how it could be considered cheesy i just thought it was, it was so absurd you know with them doing it like yeah it kind of caught me funny but yeah but i um well i'll get to that in a second uh, Caesar, what did you think about this tone this question of tone uh the comedy and like the uh the, the play scenes um well it didn't really bother me to be honest i mean i watched the episode back to back um so I mean, you know, like what we're saying, you know, the second part of most of the two-parter episodes that we watch is going to be weaker. I mean, because it's it's kind of, for me, it's kind of hard to separate the two. They just feel like what feels like one whole episode to me. So, um, but I guess if you, you know, the way they show episodes, if you just caught this episode just at random, it wouldn't probably feel right. I mean, it, it goes with the first one. Um, the one thing that I, um, I, I kind of noticed jumping it, they just kind of jump right into this episode. You know, the last we see is Picard and his band, um, going through the tunnel of light. And then when we come back into this episode, they're, um, uh, you know, they've they obviously got, been there for a while, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're they really uh, established you know, how long, but there's no, you would think there would have been some kind of a, like if it had been more than a couple of hours, that it would have been something that they would have talked about on Maybe. the Enterprise, right? Wouldn't they have been completely unaware of, oh my God, they've been gone for a month or something. I don't know. And maybe that's why it kind of was a little bit discombobulating for you. I mean, because, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I did notice that coming into the episode. I mean, it's just like they skipped quite a bit. Well, it's I mean, a concept I like that. I think that's kind of interesting, you know, coming in immediate, what is that called? In media stress. Um, I, you know, I think it's it's kind of neat. Um but, but at I, the I same don't time, think we you get know, the payoff. Well, maybe you know they had to leave Worf um, suspiciously back on the Enterprise, so maybe they could have just jumped back to one scene where Worf's like, "They've been there for six weeks." So yeah, yeah. What do we do? Well, Data can pull off being a Frenchman, uh, but I don't know that um, Worf could pull off being whatever they would have tried with Worf. <laughs> um, even of course, the Frenchman thing is a bit of a stretch. I mean, he just like a little right. Yeah. Well, but, you know. the, well, I think it was just the the joke going for you know that was the first thing somebody saw him and just called him a Frenchman and he just went with that the rest of the the rest of the way yeah. through. It's like, yeah. all right, well, this guy thought I was a Frenchman. I'll just go with it. I wonder what the French thought of that joke. Steve, ask him. I mean, oh, 
You're there right now. So. Oh right. Well, let me let me find out. No, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. That's your homework assignment when you're over there. <laughs> Were you offended by this episode? I'll tell you, one thing I actually did get a chuckle out of, even though I'm not sure it was supposed to be funny, but I liked it. Just seeing Mark Twain walk around the corridor of the <laughs> yeah. Enterprise, it did. It had like a real original series feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, then I liked that. It made me think about, because they would do Lincoln something like that. Like, you know, Lincoln. Or what, yeah. Um, did you think um, bringing Jack London into this episode was corny, or? Well, I didn't necessarily think it was corny. I just didn't think there was any kind of a, like Twain, I, we get a I see why he's here, and they take advantage of the fact that he's Twain. I'm not sure that he that has serves the same. You know, I'm not sure they took advantage of his presence, really. Yeah, it kind of is one of those things that um, some series have done that deal with time travel, and it's like they try to squeeze in every any historical figures they can. It's like so how many people are in a you know how, what's the probability you have all these people that are historical figures on one area at the same time, you know, coincidentally and stuff. That's what man, uh, young indie. That's what that entire show was. Every single episode for years. That's, yeah, yeah. That was mm-hmm. their, their shtick. Just every episode had some famous person in it. But I, um, I do disagree a little bit to your point. I did feel like I got a payoff with the um, Picard um, Guinan relationship there towards the end of the episode. Um, you know, that I, I like those scenes there at the end between Guinan and Picard when they're left in the cave. Well, I'll tell you what, how those scenes kind of failed for me. Mm-hmm. Um, There's, there isn't. It's basically just a series of looks, which you know maybe in some situations that's enough. But I didn't feel like there was any, like the first time he meets her. Here's a perfect example. The first time he meets her, we're literally seeing the first time Picard. I should say that in the other order, shouldn't I? We're literally seeing the first time Guinan meets Picard, and they have about you know eight seconds of looks together, and then they cut away, and there's no conversation, there's nothing. Um, I don't know. I I don't remember feeling cheated when it first came out, but now in, when I watch it, it does feel a little bit like that. Even the last scene, I don't think they they don't have a line. They don't necessarily need a line, but it just doesn't feel. I don't know. It's not it's not terrible. It's just. Um, yeah, I think maybe it's just difficult to write that. I mean, because what are you going to have them say? I mean, basically, you'd have to have Ricard kind of. Well, I mean, I, I you can find something poignant for him to say. Maybe, well, I but. think you just it's something you would have had to have set something up before and then you pay it off in that scene. I got you. But there uh, was one thing towards the end, you know, when when Guinan refused to tell Riker about mm-hmm. what was going on, she could have just said, "What? Well, just wait till you activate data and you'll know everything <laughs> before you do anything." I thought that whole scene where they're going to blow up the cavern was a little bit um a little over dramatic. Didn't quite hit for me. It's kind of cool the way you know Data's head gets blown off and and the way they work all that out. That's that's kind of neat. It, as usual, our, our frequent refrain, especially with this show, is there's never any kind of future callback. So Data's walking around with a 500 year old head for the rest of his life, and they never mention it again. If I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken, mm-hmm. no, you know, right, right, yeah. But you know, if you ignore that, that's that's kind of cool. That's kind of neat. Of course, it's kind of fun the way you know Picard sends his little message. I like that bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it doesn't. It feels like you know what it feels like. Time Zero parts one and two would have been a, a really good single episode. Mm. Right. You know, probably like, like it. Like 
like take the opening, the teaser in this episode. I thought the teaser was incredibly weak. It's Mark Twain walking down the street, kind of giving us a recap of the first episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and that's it. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's the that's the opening teaser. Uh, so it it felt like filler. I guess is what I'm saying. And a lot of this episode felt like filler. Mm. I guess maybe more stuff should have happened or or it should have just been, you know, one episode, but then it wouldn't have been, you know, it, it does have some more, it does feel like it has, has more production value than the average episode of Next Gen. There's more exteriors, that kind of streets and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I made the same comments about part one. Um, it's, you know, of course it's cool to see Data pull up with a bunch of horses and you know we had a, we had a good who's that guy moment was speaking of that oh yeah 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 the day of driving the horse and it's like oh who's that guy <laughs> driving the horses painted with a white face uh, but you know nah. um, I, I, I don't hate this episode I just I just feel like it it just kind of misses the mark um, I I get from my research I got the impression that is what many people kind of many people kind of felt um we're going to talk about realm of fear in a second and uh there's an example of where i disagreed with what it seems like a lot of people felt like because i really really like realm of fear um but at any rate uh time zero part two kind of meh for me yeah it'd be hard to kind of find out what this particular episode has to say because i think we would just be kind of going back to the the first, you know, part one. Because, I don't know, basically this whole episode is just kind of a resolution of what mm-hmm. happened in part one. Well, in part one, we talked about, you know, for what it's about, which let's move into that now. Uh, for part one, we I remember we talked about, um, uh, you know, Data, in a way, feeling like his mortality uh, made him more human. Which is interesting, you know. There's, there, there's some things in there, you know, about about how you define life and friendship. You know, it was, an, it was a reach, but we, we could get there. Um, I'm not sure that I, that I, even have a reach for this anything in this episode. You guys? Um, yeah, I would just be trying to piece some convoluted mess together if I tried to say something. So yeah, Caesar, same kind. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, uh, there's scenes in this episode that I um, that I like, but I I couldn't disagree with your premise that you've presented today about this episode. Well, you know, by the standards of our show, we don't have a lot for what it's about. It's usually one of the episodes that doesn't hold up. I'm kind of interesting interested, Adam. It sounds like you're the only one of the three of us that kind of watched them back to back. I'm not sure that I've even ever done that. Maybe I did. I don't remember doing it. I certainly didn't this time. Um, I actually did watch the back to back. It it just kind of worked out um, that I decided, okay, let's just go and watch the next one. Um, And yeah, I think it's, I think basically what it comes down to is it's hard to have a part two without the part one naturally, but in this case, very much so they got, it's like they have to be together, but kind of like we've alluded to, you know, yeah, you get the extra production out of value out of it for having two parts. um, And it's been it, you know, maybe a little much for one show, but it probably, it's kind of like one and a half episodes or something, you know, it could you know, if, if you could have like, mm-hmm. a, like a 70 minute episode or something like that, you know, maybe you'd, it'd be ideal, you know. Mm-hmm. Adam, did it, 
does it improve part two for you to kind of watch them together? Oh yeah, yeah. These, like I said before, I mean these these episodes are they fit too much. To, I mean, what I said before, I mean this part two is kind of a, you know, it's just the the story arc of the first one. It's just completing the story of what happened. Oh, everything was set up in the first one, and this one just kind of it's just a resolution pretty much. So I mean, and it's a long resolution. <laughs> so um, so yeah, I would agree. It's it maybe could have been packed into one episode, or you know. You know, for Netflix, it could be redone in a seventy-minute episode. I'm still just trying to think about why this episode felt weak to me, uh, and maybe I'm stretching here. But like, I think about part one, and it kind of opens in a cave, and then it expands the story. Right? We go travel through time, and then we get wide shots of San Francisco. And like, part two is kind of the opposite. You spend the last half of the episode in a cave. cave. You know, it feels like it's. Maybe it's, maybe that's part of it. It feels like it's like, you know, getting smaller as it goes on, not the opposite. I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed Mark Twain again in this. Or yeah, yeah. Jerry episode. Harding is apparently. Yeah, you know, some of our listeners have said they like it when I talk about the behind the scenes stuff, and I forget sometimes to even mention some of these things. But here's a good example: Jerry Harding had never played Mark Twain before. They actually cat. He's you know he's done plenty of. Star Trek roles, but they cast him because they thought he kind of looked the part. And then, of course, in doing his research, he got really fascinated with it and ended up doing like a one-man show with Twain or something mm-hmm. for a couple of years. Um, I thought he did fantastic. He was so good that I assumed that they had found somebody that was already doing a Twain impersonator or something. But that was not the case. Yeah, yeah the scene there and towards the end of the episode, Twain and when got, um, Troy and him are having that conversation about their generations, and it kind of turns him to like um, being positive yeah, about humanity again. Kind of schools you know. him, yeah. Mm-hmm. But if Troy's telling you that, you you might be more optimistic about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With her, with her nice tan from the from the summer. <laughs> well, she never mentions to him that she is not human. Why <laughs> <laughs> that that struck me as funny, but it did. Uh, all right, I think we covered this one. Let's move on to. Six Degrees for Time Zero, Part Two. Hmm. Steve, you going first or second? I'll go first. You're getting the hard one. Good. <laughs> trying to occasionally put some hard ones in here. I think I make them too easy. All right. Pamela Kosh plays Mrs. Carmichael, the landlady that seems to have a way with Shakespeare. In Next Gen's series finale, she plays Giselle, Data's housekeeper in the future when he is a professor at what school? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. So she goes from, I think, an Irish accent to an English accent. <laughs> um, is it Oxford? No. Adam? Cambridge? Yes. Holy crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got that one. Very good. Your I questions are too easy, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well. I don't think I don't. I don't think any of us have a, on any show. You might have to go back and look this up, or maybe our listeners can tell us. I don't think either of us have ever scored perfect on this. Maybe Steve has, but it doesn't happen very often. Uh, I, no. I mean, I I did not know. I had to look it up to ask that question. <laughs> I had no idea. All right, Adam uh, Alexander Enberg plays the reporter that nearly lands the story of his life thanks to Mark Twain. He has played several roles on Trek, but he is best known for playing a recurring Vulcan ensign on Voyager. What's his character's name? 
Um, you remember him? Yeah, he's the one. Isn't he the one that um, kind of fell in love with Bellana at one time or another? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Can't remember his name. Steve. Oh gosh. It's it's. He was in mm, more than one episode, or I wouldn't ask that kind of. Question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Vorath or something. I don't know. And you're so close that I will let you have follow up one more try. Okay. <laughs> uh, Vorik. Yes, it was Vorik. Okay. <laughs> one to one. Moving on. Realm of Fear, Season 6, Episode 2, Production Number 228, Original Air Date, October 11th, 1992, Directed by Cliff Bowl, Written by Brennan Braga, Music Composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Calm Meany as Miles O'Brien, Patty Yasutake as Alyssa Ogawa, Dwight Schultz as Reginald Barkley, Renata Scott as Hayes, Thomas Belgery as Yosemite Crew Member, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. <laughs> When the Enterprise encounters another starship, the USS Yosemite, trapped in a plasma streamer, Barkley comes up with a plan to reach the vessel. Geordi adopts his plan, but Barkley balks when he realizes that he wants him to join them on the away team. Deathly afraid of transporting, he backs out at the last minute, leaving the rest of the away team to transport to the fire-marred Yosemite. There was phased matter all around, and at first I thought it, it, it was some kind of... Uh energy discharge but then it flew toward me and touched my arm how could something be in there molecules flying apart half phased i mean it's impossible isn't it realm of fear i like this episode a lot i do have one you know kind of minor problem with something near the end but i i really like this episode and i i remember liking it a lot you know 20 years ago but I think I like it more now. Um, I think I, <laughs> I think I understand some of these phobias better now, mm-hmm. um, and I, th- I think I see it as uh, just different enough from so much, uh, so many of the other stories they're trying to tell. You know, this really is a one character piece for a character that I admittedly really like. And so much of this entire story is so internal. And, of course, Schultz is so good as Barkley. Um, but I, I really, I really, I found myself really enjoying watching this episode. And I was surprised in my research that it seemed like some people felt like maybe it missed the mark or didn't connect in a way. So now I'm wondering, like, did it connect with me because I'm weird or something? Um, you know, because I have a phobia or antisocial or whatever maybe the Barclays stuff has always connected with me in a, in a weird way but um that I will, I will we can illuminate this a bit by getting your feedback gentlemen are um, you in the this episode doesn't work or it does work no it works for me um it's similar to the last Barkley episode we watched and the fact that the structure is set up you know the last time we saw Barkley he was going through the the genesis of becoming smarter and smarter and everybody thought he was crazy. This is kind of similar to that. But to me it works because this is only the second time they did it. You know, they didn't to me it wasn't overdone. Barkley isn't some you know, he's a secondary character and yes this um episode focuses on him, but he's an established secondary character, even though he may not be one of our main characters. Um and this 
episode doesn't push any of our main characters forward in any other in any way, but it still works for me. I know I know usually we we don't agree with with that when we don't find the main characters are being are, are yeah. growing or yeah. going through some sort of transformation in some way. It usually doesn't work, but I think this is the exception of the rule. Um, and Barkley's such a great character. Um, um, and this, it is. I don't. Yeah, the phobia stuff. I didn't. Re, I didn't really delve into too much when I was watching it. Well, this episode, we agree. It it would not have. This story would not have worked with any other character. Probably not. No. Yeah, I I agree with that. I mean, I, it's hard to say what's more solid that the the writers how they handle Barkley or Dwight Schultz as Barkley because you know the episodes. It's like it's it's hard to screw them up, kind of. You know what I mean? Uh, but I I think a lot of it has to do with how solid that character is, how interesting that character is, because we don't see a lot of of characters with flaws of this nature. You know, I mean, on you, track. Yeah, on yeah. track. Um, and so it's something new and something different. But just like in the, the last one where he got the super intelligence and that kind of thing, it's kind of you're exploring a, a facet of the human condition, like one kind of uh, aspect of people and how we handle things in this episode, specifically, you know, phobias, fear, and that kind of thing. And he, he does it so well. And, uh, yeah, it's, 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 he's just fun to watch, you know, him going through these, uh, these situations and how is he going to get through it and where, what, where are we going with this and stuff. So. And um, even though they might have been kind of, this episode might have gotten slow at times. I mean, the, I really enjoyed the um, the O'Brien Barkley scenes. Mm-hmm. The yeah, those were at least two of them. Um, I mean, you know, in this episode, it didn't have a really. I mean, I was thinking about it. It didn't really have like a fast pace. It just kind of was just, you know, a sl- it was kind of a more of a slower pace. But it kind of worked for me because, like I said, the you know you have obviously. Brian is also a secondary character in this in this series, so and they both really worked well together in those scenes. Yeah, you know, you talk about like pacing and stuff. The thing I liked, I think, rephrase the thing that that allowed me to enjoy this episode the most. The thing that that allowed me to enjoy this episode as much as I did is they spent just the perfect amount of time uh, with the story in Barclay's crazy mode. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they didn't go very long with that mm-hmm. um, at, at, very quickly you know Barkley decides I mean I wanted some of that yeah that's mm-hmm. the show but I but you know very quickly Barkley puts his foot down because he is a little bit different of a character he's grown since we first saw him uh, but he puts his foot down and he has Miles send him through you know I, either I'm crazy or there's something there and when he comes back he says wake the senior staff and then the next scene which is pretty crazy, right? I mean, that's pretty extreme. Uh, but the next scene, after just a little bit of, a, of explanation, Picard takes action. You know, there's no more. And then, and then we immediately, in the very next scene, Crusher actually does find something. You know, I guess they could have extended it that s- scenario longer had Crusher checked him out and not found anything, and then looked over at Riker and went, "I don't know about Berkeley here." No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we didn't get that. She found something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that. There's just the right amount of that. Um, you didn't think? Um, I thought the, um, Deanna Troy relieving of, of duty was a little harsh, but I mean, you know, that didn't really go anywhere. After that, she really I let that go because that scene was so funny that I actually laughed out loud, and that's a big deal because. Even funny stuff. I've seen these shows enough times that I don't 
actually laugh out loud most of the time. <laughs> but when he says, look, there's stellar cartography. <laughs> <laughs> I really did laugh out loud. That's funny. <laughs> so I think I, I think I might have let, let some of that slide there at the end of that. Let it slide out. Yeah. Well, just on a, I mean, just on a more technical standpoint with this episode, I mean, you know, it makes you kind of realize how crazy transporting is. I mean, yeah. you know, how did, you know, it's just like, oh, we'll connect these transporters and send you over to some planet. I'm just like, that's insane. <laughs> well, I've, you know, I've over, over the course of the years at different times, I've really delved into some of this stuff, like, you know, how they explain the science and things like this. I think it's pretty much, you know, true that the transporter is the piece of technology that's the least likely to come to fruition in any kind of near future at all just because of what exactly it's the computing power that i mean yeah even out. even more than warp speed yeah yeah mm-hmm. um i mean obviously if these things came to pass they'd be quite different than what they are in the show no doubt but i think the problem is the notion of yeah we can blow someone to bits but putting them back together and then not even to get into the metaphysical aspect of it it's an interesting you know i've read some books on that that's you know you're destroying somebody and creating someone new how is it the same you know these kinds of things so yeah, yeah. theoretically it's probably easier to bend space than yeah probably <laughs> transport a human being um, the only thing that I didn't like is like, um, I, it was cool at first, the POV of the beaming, you get, you finally get to see what it looks like, but then I got, wow, how would you be conscious? I, that was just the question that was going through my yeah. head. If you're split up into a zillion parts, how are you conscious and actually seeing? I things? think they get away with that in this one scenario because they say it's an unusual beaming since, you know, it takes, it's a longer process because of whatever weirdness is surrounding that, the Yosemite. But everybody, I mean, but he has the conversations with Jordy. I was like, oh, have you ever, no, I've never felt that way. It's usually pretty smooth. And Jordy talks about the different colors. So um, no, I don't think that works mm. because, you know, there are different characters in this episode that describe what it's like to actually be transported. Um, the closest they get to any kind of, uh, you know, explanation or description is when he talks about the size of what he's seeing in the beam, and they said, "Oh, your perspective skewed," you know, which mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, the, the, the best way I can explain it away in my head is that essentially people kind of lose consciousness and regain consciousness, but somewhere on the edges of those periods, there's a, you know, you're shrinking or bit becoming you know disintegrated and back together it's, so your perspective it's very much like going to the dentist actually <laughs> <laughs> actually you know my, my as i said earlier i really really like this episode but like my one complaint about it um i so I, that end sequence you know we explained that these creatures he's seeing are actually microbes yes that have been look unusually large because of his perspective being distorted that's actually kind of cool i kind of like that it kind of comes on like WTF whenever, <laughs> whenever he like grabs it and then it right. turns into a crew member from the Yosemite and he's like, "There's more of them in there. Go get them." Yeah. Where the what the what? what? <laughs> yeah. So I I I totally dislike that and it comes out of left field for me. I didn't need any of that. They could have just made it a little bit more dramatic that they almost lost him and then they bring him out of it and they say. We got rid of all the thingies. You're cured or whatever. Great. That, yeah. that, that's all I needed. I didn't need this weirdness of the other crew being there. That, yeah. I, I think that, you guys... I think they, well, I think they trapped themselves early on in the episode because they're just like, oh, there's four crewmen missing. And um, it 
probably looked good on paper, and that's what they had to go with, and it just didn't really. So you guys, were, so I, you guys felt that was weird too, then? Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, because I'm like, why would they look like wormy creatures if? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't fit any of the other explanations up to that point to me somehow. Yeah. yeah. But you know, oh well, it's a few seconds. Um. So. So it sounds like you guys like this episode because you yeah. like Barkley. Yeah, no, you know, I like O'Brien, and there's not going to be too many more times we see O'Brien, I'm assuming. Nope. Except for the the very last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that um, with, with you know, obviously you couldn't do this, we've already said this, but you couldn't do this without Barkley. I mean, there's no, how would you tell this story without it being just bad, really, mm-hmm. you know, without that character in there, you know, so... I like that sequence whenever the computer is telling him the symptoms. It reminded me of like old cartoons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whenever it's, somebody would be saying, "Well, the first step, the first thing is you get blooded hands or something," and then and then the character would get these really blooded <laughs> hands. They say, then you start sneezing, and then the character would just start sneezing. That's what I thought that scene was. <laughs> Drinking water. That, that sequence is kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the whole O'Brien spiders thing. Well, the story is kind of interesting, but then the fact that he has a pet spider. Obviously, it didn't really work because they never did that again. Yeah, we never. We ne- that's what I wrote. I wrote that down. I was like, we never saw his pet spider again. Come on. Maybe his kids didn't care for it. <laughs> Maybe he gave them to Barkley. Here, you keep my spider. Uh, what's this episode about? Um, obviously, overcoming fears. You know, standing up for oneself. Some of the things I came up with. Yeah, I agree. It would probably be something to do with. Um dealing with, you know, phobias, not only dealing with them, but in, in the case of Barkley, he kind of did something heroic by overcoming it, you know, I mean, and, 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 and again, I like, like what you said, Brian, the pace, I like the way they didn't dwell too long on it. It's like, okay, it's a phobia, but we're not going to make him look like he's, um, you know, just a mess the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. he gets over it and then he goes a step further by, you know, actually accomplishing something useful, you know, after choosing to overcome it. Did Troy, like, totally make up the plexing thing? <laughs> I don't, she's just trying to placate him. It doesn't seem like she would do that, but it sort of feels like she did. Like, well, if she'd least... smiled when he left, then I would have known. Right. Well, he, well, if she was going to do that, she ought to, like, make up with something a little different. Like, I don't know, something a little more convoluted or embarrassing to do. To <laughs> stress. So he's going around doing, like, rubbing his stomach and patting himself on the head or something, you know. <laughs> You have to bend over, <laughs> put your arm underneath your legs. Um, so. Something, I mean, you know, we didn't kind of talk about that. I mean, probably get into it a little bit more in the next um, episode. But this is um, it's kind of a Cardassian um, season that we're going to be seeing a lot of the Cardassians this year. We just they, Yeah, they mentioned them in this episode as, as <laughs> having attacked some other people. So, yeah, that was early on. So it just kind of dawned on me, like, oh, yeah, this is the Cardassian season. As yeah. much as I've seen this, these episodes, you still forget stuff. Well, um, yeah, yeah, for me, what, and this is maybe, you know, somewhere for what it's about, but, but I just really like that, you know, of his friends standing by him. And if they, if they hadn't, you know, if they hadn't, when push came to shove, they... They had they had to just say okay we believe you we're gonna do everything we can to check it mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. you know if they hadn't done that it all would have been lost you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, 
So even Barclay has friends. That's cool. Let's move on to six degrees for Realm of Fear. Our score is one to one. Steve. Yes. Dwight Schultz returns as Reginald Barkley. His first appearance as the character was in Next Gen's third season. He would subsequently play Barkley in all remaining seasons of Next Gen, except one. In which season is he absent? Hmm. Um, fourth? No. Um... He says he's in three, four. We know we're in six now. That would only I don't I don't think seven. Okay, no, that was wrong. <laughs> Good. It's five, so okay. Uh Adam, because yes. you said something earlier, I'm giving you this question. Colomini returns as Miles O'Brien. He will appear again in Rascals a few episodes from now, but after that he becomes a regular on DS9, and we only see him in one more episode of Next Gen. Name the episode. Um, all good things. You're correct, Adam has two. Steve has one. Moving on. Man of the People, Season 6, Episode 3, Production Number 229. Original air date, October 18th, 1992. Directed by Winrick Colby. Written by Frank Abba Tamarco. Music composed by Dennis McCarthy. Guest cast include Chip Lucia as Bess Alcar. Patty Yasutaki as Alyssa Agawa, George D. Wallace as Simons, Lucy Boyer as Janeway, Susan French as Sev Maylor, Rick Scarry as Jarth, Stephanie Erb as Leva, J.P. Hubble as Ensign, and Majel Barrett as Computer Voice. The Enterprise is called to aid a Dorn ship that has come... <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> Let me start that over. Um... The Enterprise is called to aid at the Doran ship that has come under fire while transporting a Lumerian ambassador to mediate a dispute in the Regan Sonoria system. Picard agrees to transport Ambassador Vess Alcar aboard the Enterprise to ensure Alcar's safe passage. Alcar transports aboard along with his aged mother, who takes an instant dislike to Deanna Troy. He goes out of his way to criticize me. Do you know of any reason why he might do that? No. That's why I'm here. Well, maybe he's just tired of hearing you complain. Pardon me? I know I'm certainly tired of it. How will you... I'll use a hypo spray. It's the gentlest way. <laughs> <laughs> that line was not supposed to be funny, but somehow it was funny. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what this episode has to say to that. I, t- I, t- I mean, t- I'll tell you something. So I watched this uh, with my fiance. Oh, I'm sorry, my wife, as we've established. Oh, right. This is the 24th uh, of July. Cor- cor- yeah, it takes a little while to get used to it. You're in transition. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> You're in trouble. Um, and uh, we both had some uh, beverages, and we played, made a little game. I said, what am I going to call this, this episode? It has some goofy moments. So whenever something you perceive as goofy happens, take a drink. And I frankly don't remember the end of the episode. <laughs> so, are you saying it's a good episode or a bad episode? Oh, it's just great, from what yeah. I recall. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens in this episode. I mean, just crazy stuff. It just seems like, you know, all the crazy stuff that we couldn't get to do years ago, let's just all pack it into one episode. Now, for the record, we're making jokes, and these are all fair jokes. Uh, but this episode is not like... 
I don't know. Uh, that I'm never going to seem to remember the name of it. But the Nutty Nutty, Loxana Alexander. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. this this that we just talked about uh, a month ago or something. This isn't like that. This is just this is an episode that that isn't very good. Um, but let's say it's entertaining. Imagine, yeah, imagine this episode if Marina wasn't so good. Now it's gone from a not very good episode to probably unwatchable. Mm-hmm. She she saves this episode not to make can't make it a good episode, but she makes it watchable for me. Yeah, no, I can um, see that. Man, that scene when she's and yes, she's attractive, folks. But I'm not just talking about that. <laughs> you know, uh, that scene when she's like uh, doing her little solo tai chi yoga, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, that's a long take. She doesn't have any lines. She barely is moving, you know. And you can see things going on in her mind. She's actually she's so underrated. Uh, mm-hmm. She's very good. Um, and I think I like- if, it were, if she weren't so good, then this episode would be complete crap. Yeah, the looks that she gave in this episode were yeah the the look that she was giving that poor ensign in the turbo lift before she was about to jump in. Steve's Steve's married now, so he knows both the good ones and the bad looks. <laughs> he gets them all now. Yeah, have you ever gotten that? Look? I don't think I've ever gotten that look from a girl. No, well, the, the one she has in the elevator. Once you're married, you don't get that one anymore. <laughs> once you're married, you get the the one like in ten forward. That's the one you get. <laughs> yeah. Man, that dress she wears in ten forward is pretty good. Mm. Yeah. She's um very well attired in this episode. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, even the the um Alcar. He is very creepy, even from the get-go. I can't recall the first time I saw this episode, whether I caught it at first or not, but he does a very good job just being a very subtle, creepy guy who truly believes in what he's doing is morally justified, and it's very creepy and slimy and gross. His line, he uses the word receptacles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People like Troy. Using that word somehow... when when Picard confronts him about the dying Troy, and he says, "I was surprised how quickly she aged. Usually, my receptacles go on for years." And I think it's that's where I'm like, "Oh my god, yeah, mm-hmm. just die in a fire, man." <laughs> <laughs> this guy is terrible. I would I I would rather all the people die in the wars, you know. But it's obviously so such you know bull that he puts it that way to Picard because, um, you know, obviously. Uh, you can't. Who 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 decides? <laughs> who makes those decisions? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's 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 a really evil evil person. And it's interesting, of course, that Troy doesn't read that because all his evilness is conveniently being placed on the old woman. And Troy does pick up on all that. Uh, consequently, the actress that plays the old woman, I, I a movie I loved as a kid. She's briefly in. Uh, House. I love that movie. 80s, 80s babies. If you haven't seen House, check out House. It's a really great horror movie with William Cat. Uh, and I couldn't help but think about it every time I saw her. But anyway, um, yeah, she she hangs herself in the living room over and over and over. <laughs> so she does not have a lot of luck with staying alive in shows. Um, yeah, the structure of this episode is interesting to me because it's ostensibly a Troy episode and then it like switches gears and suddenly becomes a mini Picard episode. 
mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that we've really seen anything do that. Like, you know, a character episode that turns completely into a different character episode that way. So that's that's very that was very interesting to me. I don't recall really feeling that way before. Well, she did stab him. She could at least give him the rest of the episode. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But obviously it works so well, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was old. They're not making a comment on women can't stab people. Well, I don't know. She she took Picard down pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so. All care. Creepy guy. Um, so did you guys catch the um, Ensign Janeway? Yes. But uh, I think that's just. He can't help, of course, but think about Janeway Janeway, but I don't mm. think there's any real relationship. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it's just funny. Little, yeah, it was little things you pick up. Well, that, scene, that scene was funny. Uh, um, uh, what is Troy something? What did she say? I'm, maybe he's just tired of listening to you complain. I know I'm tired of it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that was a great scene <laughs> she did. Because she played yeah. it so nice. Oh, yeah, she yeah. just kind of like, okay. And all of a sudden, you know, that passive aggressive. B word. <laughs> she does it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And at the end, uh, she's like, "I'm glad I could help." <laughs> <laughs> she was she was so wretched to that patient to Janeway that I almost at the end of the episode, I I I actually felt like we needed to see her. <laughs> yeah, apologize or or something, you know. And of course, we're not. I mean, that's we're not going to get that. But mm-hmm. well, I mean, if it was a it was a, if it was a primary. Character. If it was a right, if it was a primary character, they would have. I mean, we got it with Riker, you know. Um, but for a, for a non-recurring character, we're never going to see it again. They weren't going to bother. But I, she was. My point is, she was that mean that I almost that I felt like if she didn't, then the character was permanently scarred <laughs> to me. The character of Troy. <laughs> That's how mean she was. Mm. Um. um we did have some really cheesy effects at the end. I like how she just oh, kind yes. of fades back into normalcy. You know what that reminded me of? Maybe because I was I've been in that original series mood lately. I've been watching an episode here there. It reminded me of uh, the Salt Vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Changing. Well, that was acceptable for the '60s, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the 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 science or whatever is going on there. It's a little bit, you know her coming back and so quickly and then the other guy then then all car dies you know hopefully it just happens so fast you don't pay attention or maybe it's just because the episode isn't very good so you don't care that much right right mm-hmm. it's like the um <laughs> it seems i wanted to see like all car when he asked troy to help him with the ceremony you know he says, well it's i wanted him to say like it's the infamous blue rock ceremony i just wanted him to Peg it like that, or something. You know, it's like, oh my God, not the blue rocks. Uh-oh. You know, <laughs> Woo, that's some frightening stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. It, you know, but I wonder, is that the kind of thing they write into the script? You think uh, blue rocks, or just he has something that's uh, yeah, whatever. just whatever they find in the prop room that'll fit the <laughs> situation. My receptacles always like my big blue rock. <laughs> oh my, <laughs> that's no. terrible. So so terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is this? Yeah. So terrible episode. I mean, you guys pretty much hate certainly this. for six seasons. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
But I mean, honestly, I can't say that I, you know, you. It's not like I could. Wa- I could watch this episode again. I can see myself watching this episode again in several years. I mean, there's a lot of episodes that we've talked about that I'll probably never watch again. But I mean, it's it's almost like a tr- watching a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's one of these that borders on enough goofy things, like I, like I alluded to earlier, enough strange, kooky things happen that. Um, it's entertaining in that way, you know. It's just silly, silly stuff, you know. That makes it, you know, you know, it's bad. Who cares? It's it's silly enough that it's it's funny. Yeah, and I, I mean, I I know where they're getting at with the title of the episode, but it still doesn't fit for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, see, I didn't even thought about that. It was just kind of like, okay, sure. <laughs> even yeah, the title like, doesn't match. The title's well. about Alcar, right? I mean, that's yeah. what. <laughs> and then you know the villain who kills unsuspecting women. Yeah. It was interesting to me that, um, and I know for this episode I'm spending way too much time thinking about it, but um, it's interesting to me that when Troy comes to him, all prurient, like, you know, um, he, you know, declines, he spurns her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes and finds the guy in the elevator. How many times did that guy have to ride that elevator before mm-hmm. Troy came in? I don't know. Um, but I'm wondering, like, is, are they equating, does he spurn her because to him giving into, like, sexual things is a negative, a negative emotion or something that he has, along with every other thing he deems negative purged onto her? You know what I mean? Right. Like, are they equating, um sex with something negative that if you don't engage it you're more lofty and you can do things like make treaties and i <laughs> i know i know i'm reading way too much into this episode i think that's what's going on there i think it's it's just another thing that you know it's like the it doesn't West. sound very roddenberry no no it doesn't he would probably long. say, yeah. <laughs> you need an hour in the morning, and then you'll do a better job with the treaty. That's what he would <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think they just needed to make the guy more into an a-hole, because <laughs> one more, more reason for you to hate him. Mm. <laughs> um, you, I'm going to ask it, yes, for this episode. Yeah, favorite scene, and then we'll get to what it's about. Favorite scene? Or least favorite. I'll let you do that too. Least favorite. <laughs> the, the scene you think is the, the Spock's brain scene or something. <laughs> it's so hard to choose. It's it's that unremarkable in every way. Well, obviously there are memorable scenes because we, we alluded to this earlier that even though this episode is not very good, it's weird and quirky, it's fun to watch um, Amira played Deanna Troy in this episode because it's so unlike anything she's ever done before. So, I could pick any number one of the any number of her scenes that she has in this episode and be like, "That's a really good scene," just because of her performance. Um, and I, you know, I think she's good throughout. So I'll, I'll name her the MVP of the episode. Well, I think you're getting at something here with the title because. Maybe it was. There's a good idea here, and that's where the good episode would have been, is if it really had been Troy. And what if it was like you know, way more terrifying and all with Troy instead of you know his concubine for negative emotions or something, whatever 
that is. I don't know. So you're thinking it might have been better if it was more less provocative and more maybe... Um... Well, I just think that the fact that they called it Man of the People shows that their loyalties were kind of divided on this episode, you know? Um, like, they, they focused in on the element that wasn't so interesting. That, I'm not kidding when I say the only thing that makes this episode watchable for me is Marina and her excellent performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... So, is this episode about anything? Well, I think you can get into a little bit about what's, you know, when, with the Picard, you know, the moral question of what um, Alcar is doing. There's a moral question. I mean, I don't, I don't even know if it's a really it's a moral question because any sane person knows that it's, you know, not right what he's doing. So, it might be a stretch. I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's it's anything can come up with a stretch, you know. I mean, it's it's. I don't really have much. Um, I don't know. I guess the dangers of um, dumping your negative emotions <laughs> on people, <laughs> dealing, you know, learning to deal with, uh, yeah, the bad stuff with the good stuff. I don't know. I mean, as you know, as soon as this this guy seems like a nice guy, but yeah, he, I need my pain. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as he pulls out his stones, look out. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they're blue, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, well. We had Realm of Fear today, and uh, in two weeks, we're going to have Relics. Awesome. Which is going to be fun for all of us, I'm sure. Um, all right. Well, I guess we've covered this episode. I don't think it's as terrible as you know well, like I said that episode from season 5 that's that's Spock's brain to me um, this mm-hmm. episode is just a bad episode um, but uh, yeah. let's move on to six degrees for man of the people oh good golly is it Adam has one Steve or no Adam has two Steve has one is that I correct so yes okay uh, Adam, you're in the lead. Do you want to go first or second? Um, I'll go first. Charles Lucia plays Alcar, the man that sacrifices Troy's inner and outer beauty so that he can sign a treaty. In Enterprise's first season, he played the captain of the ECS Fortunate. The Enterprise comes to its aid after it has been attacked by what species? Um... You know, I think I once asked the, is it the Valerian the same question. Uh, say I'm sorry, say again. Uh, Valerian? I don't know. No, Steve. What what's what series was this again? First season. Very early first season of Enterprise. Enterprise. Okay. Um. Gosh. So that was before it was called Star Trek Enterprise. Sure. Um. I don't know. Klingons. No, it was the Nausicans. Mm. Oh yes. Yeah, it was a weird thing, but yeah. Uh, okay, so that was Adam's question. Steve, this is your chance to tie it up for the day. Mm-hmm. Lucia also played Mabus in Voyager's second season in the episode Alliances. Mabus has been held captive by a species that he later tricks Voyager into helping him attempt to destroy by taking out all their leaders in one hit. Name the species. Hmm... 
Um, gosh. I kind of can see. <laughs> I think I may have a notion, but I'm just bl- I'm blanking on the name here. Right? I'll, I'll give you the one, the same, you know, the hint that I would not ask about a species if a species name if they were only in one episode ever. Oh, I know, I know, I know, okay. I know. I, uh, um, Kazon, you're correct. The Kazon right. tied it up for the day. Look at that. <clears throat> Sorry, the funny-haired right. people. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, dreads or whatever. So once again, congratulations. <laughs> Steve, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Hope you and your wife are having fun in France right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I yes. had to had to take had to pause for this podcast, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're doing no, you're doing this from the the lobby of the Louvre. Yes, <laughs> the Louvre. <laughs> I can see the Mona Lisa from here. <laughs> that's um, that's probably what it's probably like four a.m. there right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, there's still a line at the Louvre at four a.m. <laughs> 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 Yeah. Well, folks, thank you so much for spending a time, an hour with us. Um, we really are excited to come back in a couple of weeks and talk about uh, relics. I don't remember what else is there. What what else is there after relics? Um, what else are we talking about? Schisms and um, what is it? True Q. Oh, that'll be cool. Mm. Uh, so that'll be fun. And um, until next time, you can follow us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash Trek Companion. Our Twitter handle is at Trek Companion. You can send us an email. That's Trek Companion at gmail.com. Uh, uh, if you like, you can go on iTunes and leave us a review. Click, click Just click the little five stars. That would be awesome. Or even better, write a few words about uh, how great we are and uh, you hope it doesn't all go downhill now that uh, Steve's married. Um <laughs> 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 uh, Uh, anyway uh, leaving a review on iTunes is how people find us and that's awesome so until next time take it easy bye guys see ya I passed it.